Welcome to In It Together. Together. I'm Jay. And I'm Courtney. And this is our podcast where we discuss mental health and self-improvement from a couple's perspective. Hello, hello. Good morning. How are you doing today? Uh, Struggling today. I'm tired. (laughs) I hear you on that. Today's actually the first day in about a month that I don't feel so tired when I woke up, so... Yay for me. Yeah, you seem sprite. Sprite. <laughs> yeah, unlike me. I'm I'm dragging today. Yeah. No, I mean, you know what? It's it's it happens. So I think it's important that you just listen to your body, right? We talk about that. Yeah. Well, I think I'm going into, you know, we've talked about this on on the podcast. I think we're going I'm going into my cycle. Mm-hmm. I feel like super indecisive the last couple of days and just irritable. Yeah. So, I'm probably bringing that to the table this You're aware of it, though. And that's the only thing you've ever asked me to do, which is where my biggest failure has been, is been aware of when those times are happening. So I'm working on that and I'm getting better. I'm actually becoming aware of you, too. Like, I think my husband might be going in his time. What can you do to make sure that you're okay? take care of yourself so that he can heal at his quickest pace? Yeah, well, it's just important, you know, because if I'm aware of where I am, then I can understand that, you know, a lot of the stuff that I'm going through isn't normally me. So I'm not and I can guarantee that somebody's listening right now and being like, oh, OK, like he's cognizant that his cycle's coming. And what do you do like when you know it's coming? I mean, I know this is not what our podcast is about today, really. But what do you do to kind of help you set your mindset so that you can kind of get through it? Well, a lot of it, I think it has to do with, you know, my mind is consistently going right. I got we got the business going. We do the podcast and mm-hmm. we do, you know, everything that's got that we got going on. I'm constantly going like my mind is constantly moving. So when I get to this point, I know, OK, I got to kind of slow down and and I just have to roll with it. <laughs> I have to take a mental break, you know, and a lot of the times I'll just kind of, you know, zone out and, and find things that I can zone out in because mm-hmm. I, I just need to recover, I guess, you know, yeah. restore because I'm like, balance. Yeah, because it feels like we're constantly on the go and constantly doing something. So it's it's important to just kind of unwind a little bit and let the batteries recharge. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with that. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree with that. And that's my biggest thing is my drive. Like you're like, honey, if you have to sit in the room all day and close the door and just lie in your bed and stare at the, ce- stare at the ceiling and read a book or something just to get yourself better, like that's okay. I'm not used to doing that. So it's so uncomfortable. But I'm trying. And I think that's the biggest thing, self-care. Yeah, well, you've been on medic, well, antibiotics for the last month. Month, so, and that's taken a big toll on you. I honestly didn't realize that until this morning when I woke up and didn't have to take a dose. Like each morning, I was on a thousand milligrams, and I didn't realize how tired. Like I'm like, what is wrong with me? I'm exhausted. I don't want to cook. I don't want to. I don't even want to change. I want to shower so bad, but I don't want to get in the shower because that's going to have to exert energy. Like it, I thought it was depression. I really thought like something is wrong with me. And it was literally my body was just tired from fighting. Off yeah, that's kind of how I feel like, <laughs> you know, once every couple months. That's kind of how I feel. So now you know how I feel. Yeah. Well, that's wow. That's some perspective there. And I think it's funny because it's like you now that you're off the medication, you I can see that you're completely energetic and you're I'm you feeling know, better. And I don't feel better. so high up. I just feel like I can function like I feel like I'm functioning. But then now now I'm like, you know, valleying, you know, so we can't be in the valley at the same time. No, you know? exactly. Someone's got to be up in the clouds to kind of help pull the other person out of the valley. And that is that 80 20 we talk about. 
So let's 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 get into it. What I are guess. we talking about today? Um, we we're talking about trauma in everyday life. That's yes. what we wanted to touch on. So it feels like we're switching gears really quickly there without any transition. But let's 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 do it. Let's That's get life, into, though. You know. Yeah, let's get into this. <laughs> let's get into the trauma because I'm going to tell you this right now. I do not think that we talk enough about how trauma affects us in our everyday life. And right now, this is like the big thing. These are the big questions that I'm getting a lot of on TikTok and, you know, other platforms. So I wonder, just being devil's advocate, I wonder how much of like what I go through and what we go through together, like we do these cycles, right? Mm -hmm. I wonder how much of that is triggered by trauma. I shouldn't say triggered by trauma, but was we talked about childhood trauma and how that affects us in our adult life. And I wonder how much, you know, how much of that is actually... You know, it's the chicken or the egg thing, right? right. Is, is, is it the cycles due to the trauma that we encountered as, as children? Or are these things that, you know, we naturally have that we would have had regardless of our trauma? And then the trauma is just kind of exasperates. Yeah. That. So we and, and that's a great question. Like, are these tough times, these cycles that our body go through when our mental health is, you know, challenged and stuff like this? Is this something that we would go through? you know, without having trauma or is it due to it? And and to be honest with you, here's, I'm trying to try to think a little logical here, right? You can't be on the go all the time. You know, I, I sometimes I feel like our brains and how we evolved weren't necessarily meant for this extreme hustle and bustle that we're dealing with on a daily basis. So you wonder, does where you live in your lifestyle really contribute to that as well like could you take two people same trauma manifesting and presenting with the same behaviors and byproducts of anxiety depression ptsd what have you put one of them in a busy city life with a corporate job and having to do this and that in a family and then stick someone else out on a farm quiet peaceful does that play into it too i think there are so many factors yeah, that's wow. That's a, like a discussion for a whole other day. It is, but we never, did you see that? My brain just. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, guys, I'm, it's I'm been a month sh- of not thinking, so bear with me. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're firing on all cylinders now. I don't know. That's that's an interesting question because that's not something we've ever talked about. No, like how I think we should our you know environment affects. It's tough because I think a lot of it is physiological. I think a lot of it is outside of our traumas. I think, you know, we are the people that we are, right? Mm -hmm. Because we can kind of see that within our children, right? We have, you know, our daughter is is more like me. She's a little bit more feisty. Right. Um, She lets things roll off of her. And our son is more like you. And he's a little bit more emotional about things. Mm -hmm. And things Uh, stick on him. Exactly. So they... You know, and we'll we'll we're gonna talk a little bit about trauma parenting, but yeah, we'll get into that definitely. Uh, we can see the parallels in our in our children, right? And they have not, will not live the life that we lived. Amen to um, that. You can see that their personalities, you know, kind of coincide mm-hmm. with our personalities. Well, that's why you know, you you see two siblings, right? They live the same life, and they both come out differently. I have people all the time be like, you know, my my sister's constantly like, I don't remember anything. And I like remember everything or no, it didn't happen that way. I I think our personalities play a role in that. But again, we're getting so deep and philosophical here. We're going to have to we're going to have to pick this apart because this is pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, we're going to attempt to do some of that now and then we'll have to kind of continue the conversation because I want to go back to what you said as well as like the, the responses. Right. Yeah. I wonder about that because, you know, like. You, everyone knows the fight or flight, fight or flight is yeah. the is the, the normal tr- uh, response to stressful situations. My response is always fight. You know that. <laughs> yeah. 
but like now that I'm entering my time, I guess, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't I don't know what my response is right now. Like, I guess I don't feel it's funny because I'm, I'm trying to pick this thing apart as we're talking here. Right. Yeah. Because, again, I get very indecisive. Mm-hmm. I get very irritable and I just don't want to do anything right around this time. It just kind of it, I just feel like my batteries are depleted. Right. So where I would normally fight through that and, right. and that would be my first response. OK, I, I just got to push through this. I just don't have the energy to do that, yeah. right? So I wonder is that is that a trauma response or is that some type of like wh- where am I in that in that spectrum right now? Well, here's the thing. So trauma affects us in our responses, like you just said, bar none. It happens all the time, and I think it also comes down to personalities too. You know, we've talked about how our personalities, you know, affect how we respond to things. So I think when you're in your element and you're you and you're who you are, you have a very I don't want to say aggressive, but you're very forward and you know, determined and, you know, this is how it's going to be. And so fight would make sense for you as it being a trauma response. But when you're not feeling yourself, which I think is just a breakdown of your body just being like, I'm exhausted and I'm tired. You can teeter between different trauma responses in fight or flight. So you could actually be right now flight a little bit, kind of moving away from the fight response and a little bit of freeze. And that's where you're indecisive. I can't make a decision comes and you just kind of just sit there. So you may be teetering between those two. You don't have to just be primarily one, but sometimes you can see that you float in between them. Yeah, that's a great point because that's exactly how I feel. Because <laughs> you know, <laughs> right around this time, and I'll tell you that I'm free. I'm free to tell. Yeah. I, I always like around the like I'm super indecisive. Just make the decision. I could care less. Yeah, and then I, I make it, and then it's like I didn't want that. <laughs> you didn't make a decision. Yeah, but I didn't want that. So it's funny because it's like you've told me during my time, don't try to make me happy it is going to piss me off well guess what my trauma response and people don't know this and a lot of people haven't heard about this i just did a video the other day it went i don't know it's like 180,000 or something like that fawning so there's fight or flight there's freeze and then there's something called fawning and fawning is my middle name and basically what it is is that due to my own traumas and due to the environment that i brought i was brought up in I've learned to revert to a childlike behavior. You fawn like a little deer. You know what I mean? What can I do to make the situation better? How can I be a people pleaser? How can I bring down the anxiousness in the home and make everybody happy? And I fawn. That's just what I do. I freeze and I fawn. So with that being said, my natural response is to fawn to you. And you'll tell me, don't do that. Because when you are in this state, nothing can make you happy. And that triggers me that I can't make my own husband happy. And so I have to try to do everything, wait on you hand and foot, keep everybody happy. You're not asking me to do that. And this is just popping into my head now, but I do think that our trauma responses are what drive us during these times. And that's what sometimes can make your time worse because of me. And I and now I'm very mindful of that and I, and I got to work on that. Yeah, that is very interesting. <laughs> no, no, and you're right. When I'm in this period or this time, that's the last thing I want. I just kind of want to be left alone. Yeah. And w- what I ask you to do is, like I said, it, I'm so indecisive at this. Just, just you know, just make the decisions. Just make the decisions. That's all yeah. I ask. You know, but and then you, your natural response, again, you see that I'm in a, a different state. And mm-hmm. then, you, like you said, like your first response is to fawn. Is, is to, to fawn. Is to say, oh, you know, what can I do to please you? What can I do to, 
that and, and that's the last thing I need is like I I don't want you fawning after me around this time. Actually, I don't want you fawning after me ever really, you know. Yeah, no. It's just I want you to be a whole person and like I've told you a million times, right? When you're happy, then I'm happy for you and then everyone's happy and you know, is whole, I guess. Um and that's kind of the end goal, right? Is yeah. is that, you know, when I when I see you taking care of yourself, I feel better about the situation as a whole. So, so I become less anxious. But when I see you fawning, which is a, an actual direct result of your trauma response, I see you responding to your trauma, and that becomes mm-hmm. a trigger to me. And so I'm, it's not so much the, the the fawning itself, but I know that you're going it's where into the a trauma. Fawning is coming exactly. from that I'm being triggered, and I and I want to talk a little bit more because oh, I do I do love the fact that you you take care of me. I was just gonna say like I, yeah. the other night when you were watching your game, I was like. He wants some, you know, dessert yeah. or whatever. So clarification, I, yeah. I do love that you. Okay, because I was you. about to just be like, okay, screw him. He on his own. <laughs> no, no, that 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 is true. I, I, you know, you take very good care of me, and you're always there when you just when I want need you. me to do just, it when it's not coming from a response to trauma because exactly. that's not that's not healthy for me, and because exactly. you love me, that irritates you. I'm getting it, okay. I want people to understand though, and I think we need to talk, expand a little bit more on this fawning because everybody knows what fight or flight is and everybody knows what it is to freeze. And, you know, to, freezing is a trauma response. It's like deer in headlights. I don't know what to do. I freeze. That's where people say the cat got my tongue. These are where these psychological, this phrases come from. I, I felt like I was out of my body. I was like crawling out of my skin. This is where that that comes from. When you feel that, it's a, f- a freeze. It's a loss of your executive functioning. It's your inability to be like, okay, what is my next step? Some people do that. When you've seen something horrific, your body snaps right into that. And I'm on the other spectrum. For me, I don't. I, I used to freeze. Like when I don't have a loss of words, you're like, why are you looking at me like a deer in headlights? That's where that's coming from. So I typically freeze and fawn. That's you're on the other spectrum. And I think what's important here is that we really nail this. In for our listeners is the fact that these are na- these are kind of our natural responses, and right. there's, there's we need to make the differentiation that when you're doing it as a trauma response, that's where you kind of get into trouble because we can say the same thing about my my fight my fight right mm-hmm. as a trauma response. It's not it's not accurate, you know, because sometimes you're when I'm triggered by like like what I see from you, my, again, my natural response is to fight, to become aggressive. And that doesn't help you at all. No, that makes me freeze. Exactly. So, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) So, so that, that's my point, right? We have to be cognizant of the fact that are we doing these, we're doing these as our natural response, uh, you know, as a coping skill here, right? But we have to understand that there's, you know, certain situations, a lot of the situations, if we're responding this way out of trauma, then the response itself needs to be uh, looked at, right? Because a lot of the times I don't need to fight. You know, my no. that natural response that I have to fight because I'm seeing a trigger is the wrong approach. Yeah. So here's what I want to what, what I want people to understand. I'm gonna do a little bit of educating here, right? Our brains, and I've talked about this. Our brains grow, you know, top up. Okay. The reptilian part of our brain is the 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 bottom part, and that's your basic needs, okay? And that's the part of your brain that had been fostered way back in in caveman time. So fight or flight has always been there. That's what kept us safe. That's why we didn't get eaten by dinosaurs or whatever was going on and we, 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 we could protect our family. So a fight or flight response is natural. Here's the issue though. Our brains don't know that what happened 40, 50, 60, 100 million years ago is not happening right now. It's just a response. So 
the response, that fight or flight that kicks in is the same response you're going to get when you feel triggered by something and being chased by a pterodactyl. Our bodies, our brains does not know that. And that's that's where educating ourselves with that can come in, you know, come in place. And I think that's where people feel like, why am I triggered so bad? My trauma happened 20 years ago. Well, your brain doesn't know that the trauma was 20 years ago. Your brain just remembers how it felt then. And that's why you feel the way that you feel now. And so one of the biggest questions I get is, how do I know that I'm responding normal to a situation like my fight or flight is kicking in? And then how do I know that it's triggered by trauma? Because there is a healthy, like you said, fight or flight. And then there's the trauma responses. And I think it comes down to if there's a trigger. If there is a trigger, you know that it's a trauma response. If you're out driving in your car or you're going to walk to your car and someone's chasing you and coming behind you to hurt you, that's not a trigger of trauma. That is I'm in danger. I need to fight right now or I need to get away. If you're having a conversation with your spouse and they breathe a certain way or they do something or they wear a cologne that smells something, you know, or whatever, they say something and then you feel a little agitation and then you respond, that's a trauma response. So being mindful and understanding what the precipitating factors were are going to help you start to kind of even out and ask yourself, was this a healthy response or wasn't this? And that's pretty much the best way to figure out how to start, you know, determining what's going on. Yeah, thanks for clearing up. That's that's what I was trying to get to. Oh, I didn't but even know you were trying to get I know, there. I know, but you you clear you're oh, um, good, okay. clarified that perfectly. That that's kind of what I the same idea that I was trying to get out, but it just wasn't working for oh, me. Oh well but I'm glad I was able to do that. <laughs> we're on the same wavelength. I think what's happening right now is we're on a surfboard, right? And we're wa- we're going over these waves together. And instead of standing and you're paddling one side and I'm paddling the other, I just want you to be able to sit in the back, let your feet hang and enjoy the sun. I got this for right now, okay? <laughs> I'm 100% good with that. But that's how I know I'm healing. And that's how I know we're growing parallel to one another. And that's how I know that I'm growing is that I'm okay with paddling both sides and steering and letting you take a break. Because for the longest time, you you had to steer it. You had to paddle both sides and you had to let me know if sharks were coming. And now I'm, I'm getting better at that. So it's, it's your time. Kick up. Kick your feet back. Well, that brings us to another point that I w- we wanted to start to make, right? About like how trauma dictates the friends and family. Well, yep. Not family so much, but uh, the par- the friends and partners that we choose. Yes, absolutely. And the relationships that we go into. Yeah. So there's, I can't remember the exact statistic, but- Women who are raised in abusive households or households where there's a form of emotional trauma, psychological trauma, what happened, are like 85% more likely to find themselves, trigger warning here, raped or in an abusive relationship. And typically that's because our frame of reference, I'm speaking from a woman's point of view, as to what a healthy relationship looks like is completely skewed. It's based on trauma relationships, trauma engaging, trauma bonding, you know? So those are the things that even though they've affected us, we look for because that's all that we know. So therefore we repeat this cycle of being in abusive relationships or relationships that aren't healthy. Yeah. And that's the same thing can be said about, you know, men. Perfect example. You know, my, my mother, as we, as we know, classic narcissist, right? So it, it, it would be because our very first relationships, you know, if you, uh, I don't want to say relationships, but that's our, that's my first frame of reference as a man, you know, so it's important that we understand that dynamic because even as a man, like I said, you, you know, if, if your mother was a certain way, that's mm-hmm. kind of the image that you're going to have of what a woman should be. And that's a lot of the times what you 
end up, you know, dating or end up being in a relationship with. Yeah. And I don't want people to think like, oh, my God, I'm the narcissist in this relationship and my husband's abusive because, I mean, that's pretty much what, you know, statistics would say. Yeah, that, that should have been that should have been that the case should have been us. us. Yeah. I think there are parallels that we see, you know, in our spouses and then, you know, in our, our parents. They are. We've talked about those. But thankfully, we're not in those circumstances. So trauma truly does dictate our frame of reference and how we view relationships. And this is why most people say, well, I didn't know what a healthy relationship was. I didn't know how to love. And you literally said this to me the other day. I'm not even sure that you know how to love. And that threw me for a loop. And all that it was was because it was I was putting my needs aside to love somebody else. And you were like, no, that's not loving me. Loving me is loving yourself first, taking care of yourself. And I was like, oh, now I get it, which is what I'm working on. Trauma dictates that because my whole life was always about doing everything for everybody else and making sure everybody else was okay, fawning, people pleasing. And then my needs being put completely on the back burner or not mattering at all and forgotten about. And that is where that loss of sense of self comes from. And that's why you find yourself in a relationship where if you're struggling with what I was struggling with, somebody else starts dictating your life for you. Yeah, well, full disclosure, right? So I became self-aware very early on. You know, I think when I had my own children, Back when I was 20 years old, my first, you know, my, my oldest. But that's kind of where I became self-aware. And these are the lessons kind of that I've imparted to you, you know, throughout these years. It, it, it was the first instance, like, again, I didn't know my mother was a narcissist. But what I always say to you, right, people are people. When I became a parent for the first time, that's when I kind of, when that realization came to play for me, right, that people are people. My mother was just a person. She wasn't anything more or less than just another woman that had her own struggles, had her own traumas. And I quickly realized that, you know, what I didn't want was to give my children the, the childhood that I that I had. So it was important. And this is kind of where the first the failure of the first relationship happened, right? Because I think subconsciously, unwittingly, unknowingly, the person that I ended up being with was a semblance of of what my mother was, right? A lot of the same things now, not to say she was she wasn't a narcissist, but a lot of the same issues or struggles I saw within, you know, later on, I saw within her. Yeah. And and that's my biggest thing about becoming self-aware. Right. Is I didn't want like I, I my father was never in the picture. Right. My father was kind of in and out. I never knew my father. My father, you know, we had a very, very distant relationship, it, you know, even after he passed away. I just didn't know the person that he was, right? Yeah. Uh, and that was something that I was determined to fix with with my children. I didn't want to. I wanted to be the father that I that I didn't have, and that was important to me. And again, I saw him as a person that had his own failures, and I wasn't locked into okay, this is the father I had, so this is the father I can be, or, or you know, I I had to strive to be better. I had to strive, you know. Again, I didn't know. Th- the person so I had to be a better person so I could be a better father for my children yeah I can identify with that too like I didn't want to be a drug addict I didn't want to neglect my kids I didn't want my kids to have to parent me I wanted to parent them I didn't want my kids to look at me as a friend I wanted them to look at me as their their mother their guider and man I struggled with even thinking that I could actually be that 
Like, I don't even, I think I was delusional until I was actually pregnant and was like, holy shit, like, I need to like figure this out. And I went right into therapy when our son was born because I needed to make sure that I could, I could do it. So I can definitely understand how that was. And same thing with my father. Like, you're not my father, but my father constantly screamed and yelled. So like, if you even raise your voice, my voice, I'm, I'm triggered. But it's different, you know, and I have to look at you like, this is my husband. Like, he wants to make sure that I'm okay. My father did too, but my father's intentions weren't the same. And that's where trauma really affects a relationship is you're just replacing someone else. You're projecting your own traumas onto the person that you're, you're with. And your brain's not able to say, hey, you're safe. This is a different situation. This situation calls for someone raising their voice because you're not listening or because you're doing this. That's how trauma really affects our engagements, with, especially with you know, significant others. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, and, and it's like you said, right? We attract, we, we kind of find the people that we know, right? So mm -hmm. your, your father was loud and, and kind of an alpha male. And I think that's kind of what you were looking for, right? And that's kind of why you ended up with me. But, you know. Uh, I mean, you are good looking too. So let's, let's not. Well, thank you. Let's, no, let's not forget that. So, and, and the same thing, you know, like I said, I, I, I was in a different place and I think I knew a little bit. I didn't have a clear idea of what I what I wanted, but I know what I didn't want. Right. In, in, a, in a mother for our child, for my children and a caretaker. So I think that's kind of where I, I passed. <laughs> <laughs> I passed. Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. So um, and that's funny. We've been talking a little bit more about like parenting and, you know, how a trauma affects parents, you know, trauma parenting. This is like huge right now. And I don't think that I realized, you know, in the last six months, uh, no, let's call it three months to be safe here, that I've trauma parented at times. And so a lot of people's like, well, what the heck's trauma parenting? It's literally when you parent your children from a place of fear and you try to give them what you thought you needed. And it's not what they need because they're not you and they're not in the same environment. No, I mean, you, I'm guilty. I'm probably the most guilty of that in this household, yep. right? Because <laughs> I trauma parent a lot. And again, it has, it comes down to that, right? It's that fear. Uh, for me in particular, you know, you know, I grew up in, in such an aggressive world. And there's that fear that, you know, I know what the world is out there, you know, and I don't want my kids to, to you know, not be prepared for what's really out there, right? But again, it's like I don't. We don't live where I where I grew up. We're not. You know, it's a completely different world. It's almost yeah. a different universe from from where I grew up, right? You know, our, our son isn't going to isn't going to experience, uh, you know, a quarter of the things that I experience. You know, so it, it's important for me to see that even though. I know what's out there. It's not his universe. It's not his world. And I have to give him what he what he needs and not what I needed, you know, yeah. back when I was Like it's up. okay. You know, I, I feel like there's almost a little bubble. You know, when you come from a tra trauma parenting, I look at it as, as a layer. Like think of one of those gobstoppers. You know what I mean? Our son is in a completely different layer. So there's this protective barrier where he's not going to be, gangs aren't going to be what's going on, you know, survival, you know, getting beat up, you know, being in a, you know, having to protect yourself, all the things that you went through. He's not going to be part of that. It's okay to educate our kids about that so that they understand these are skill sets that you're going to need should something like this happen. But it doesn't mean that you have to trauma parent for that because then you're not parenting for the world that they're in. And then they're going to be in this fight or flight, constantly worried and scared 
of things happening to them instead of feeling like that they can guide themselves through it. And that for me has been like eye opening because I read that children who are raised by anxious mothers develop those same behaviors. And I'm like, oh, shit. So I'm really, really trying to work on that because I don't want my children walking around an anxious mess when it could be a beautiful, quiet, sunny day and they can't enjoy it. Yeah. And that's that goes for a lot of different things. Right. Because we see that in parents as well in terms of like, you know, if if you grew up with without having things like, you know, you grew up poor and, and didn't have a lot. Right. Then you then you overcompensate that with your children and right. buy them everything. And that's not that's not the right response either because you're, you're, you're you know what I'm saying you're not teaching them to value the things that they have you're because spoiling you're them. spoiling them exactly and again it comes from the fact that you didn't have anything so you want to give them everything but again you have to understand that that's not what they need you have to give them what they need for their environment for their world and not equate what you went through with what they're going through because that's that's what trauma parenting mm-hmm. is. Here's my trauma parenting. So, for example, you know, my mother was an addict. My father was in and out of the picture. I had a stepfather that I was delusional about and I thought really cared for me and didn't. And there was all these things going on. And so one of the things that I really felt like I missed a lot of was attention. I missed the feeling important. I missed feeling heard. So I find myself, I'll be with my kids all freaking day from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to bed. And I'm like, I didn't give them enough, you know, attention today. And you're looking at me like, what? And it's like, yeah, I know. I mean, you've read to them. You've been writing with them. You've set projects with them. You eat lunch with them. You talk with them. Like you don't need to be sitting playing dolls for eight hours a day for your kids. No, that's not healthy for them. They need to be able to think independently. They need to be able to be like, I'm going in my own little world and entertain themselves. They need to be able to disconnect from being with us and learn to be with themselves. And I've been having to do that with my youngest. And now she's doing great. Mom, I'm in my room just playing with my dolls, doing my hair and makeup, jumping around, doing whatever the heck I want to do. And she'll come in and she'll do like a little tap joke, you know, tap dance for me. And I'll make sure in those moments when she's coming to me that I'll stop what I'm doing and give them that. That is how I can accomplish the same thing without overparenting and overdoing it. Because some lady said to me on TikTok, why overparent? I, you know, give my kids a thousand kisses a day and I do this. What's wrong with that? Some girl writes underneath everything. This is what destroyed me because now that's what I expect as an adult. Yeah, wow. That's that's you Doesn't know. that scare the living shit out of you? Like, okay, where else am I trauma parenting? I know. Well, you know, let's be honest. We're not we're all imperfect beings and we're all imperfect parents. It's all about like we do, right? Is is recognizing, recognizing our flaws, yep. recognizing where we can be better and and just trying our best. You know, they're gonna our children are gonna have their own sets of um, I don't want to say trauma, but their own adversities. Yeah, exactly. Their own adversities so that they, they're going to have to overcome and they're going to develop their own personalities that they are going to need to change as they get older. Right. right. So it just being realistic with uh, those things. And and the lesson, of course, being that you, you want to be you know, the, the greatest gift you can give to your children is them seeing a parent that's constantly improving themselves and wanting to be mm-hmm. better because that's going to you just read my mind because that's going to you know make them want to be better people as well and and go on that that, that journey so i guarantee you guys are like okay so i clearly trauma parent hi my name is so and so and whatever now what can i do how can i make it better have i destroyed my kids because i did a video on this and most people asked no you are not going to destroy your kids if you do this one thing Accept responsibility for how you parented in that moment. Talk to your child about it. So, for example, 
When I've lost my shit for no reason and I parented from a place of anxiousness, I've had to sit down with my kids and say, how I responded was not okay. I was frustrated. I did not handle how I felt appropriately and I could have done a better job. So I'm sorry that I made you feel the way that you felt and I'm going to do better next time. Whatever it is that just happened 10 minutes ago, your kids don't remember because all they remember in that moment is mom sees me. Mom understands what happened. Mom accepted responsibility. There is no residual trauma. There's no residual of unresolved emotions or your feelings are put aside. That is the difference. That will make the difference. Yeah. And that goes for dads as well. You know, it's the same thing. I've had to sit down, you know, with my son or my daughter and say, hey, you know, I this is the reason why I raised my voice. Yeah. Or this is the reason why, you know, it wasn't right, you know, but this is why this happened. And, you know, I'll be better. I'm going to work better, you know, especially, you know, my daughter, when, when I, anytime I raise my voice, she's like, she, it's funny because she, she, when, if you raise her voice at you, she just kind of dead eye look at you and be like, eh. But when I raise my voice, she wants to see, she, you know, she gets a little bit more emotional and she's like, daddy, I don't like when you yell. And I, you know, and I'll, I sat down with her and said, you know, I'm sorry, I raised my voice and this is the reason why, but. I'm working on that. I'm 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 going to do better at that, yeah. you know? And I need you to do better at whatever it is that she was doing that that, you know, elicited that response, right? Mm-hmm. And it's about taking about us as parents taking responsibility and teaching our children to take responsibility for their actions as well. So, when, it's funny when you say my daughter looks at me dead eyes. She'll just she'll look at me and she'll be like, "Okay, mom," and she'll walk away, but she'll let it build. And then at the end of the night when I'm putting her to bed, she's like, "You really hurt my feelings." When you raised your voice to me and I says, I'm sure that that hurt your feelings. And that was not my intention. And I apologize for that. You were doing something you weren't listening to me and you could have gotten hurt. And I was fearful of you hurting yourself. And then what would come after that? And so sometimes that's where my response comes from. I just want you to make safe choices for yourself and I'll do a better job trying to help you with that. Okay, mommy. Good night. Love you. See you tomorrow. I can tell I can't tell you that's never happened to me. I would go to bed every night anxious and sick to my stomach and I'd wake up in the morning throwing up. I could never eat breakfast. I couldn't eat breakfast going to school. My stomach was always in knots. If my parents would have just sat there and said, I'm sorry I did drugs today. <laughs> I'm sorry that you had to fend for yourself. You know, I'm 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 making light of this because I'm laughing over here. But like if someone if they could have just said, Hey, I'm sorry for that, you know, you deserve better. And even if they failed the next day, but still acknowledged it, I probably would have felt so much better. So I just, if you guys are listening right now and like, oh my God, that's me, just just do what we're saying and see how it works and see how your children respond. And the more you do it and the more you recognize that you're trauma parenting, the more aware of it you are and the more you'll catch yourself. So it's, it's really, it's a journey through parenting as well. So getting back on this uh, trauma and how it affects our everyday life, how do we get from that point to, you know, getting our life back and healing from those things. Well, what's the first thing you've always taught me? You need to what? Acknowledge. Acknowledge and recognize. So this is that wake-up call. The wake-up call for you to making change is acknowledging that you need to make change, is saying, it's not denying it. Oh, well, well, it's not making justifications either. Oh, well, I acted like that in my relationship or I did this because of that. No, I did that. It is a response to trauma and I need to work on it. That is the difference. You have to start there. You just, you have to. Yeah, that's the start of a, just about a, everything that we talk about, right? That's that's the beginning of, of help, self-help is, you know, that self-actualization or that uh, recognition of the of what, yeah. what the issues are. 
And it's funny because self-help has the words in it. Self-help. You have to help yourself. You have to be willing to open your eyes. Self-improvement. You have to improve yourself. None of those things happen if you cannot admit to what's going on. Hello, my name is Courtney, and I have been a firm denier in that my trauma has affected me for the last 30-something years of my life, right? Now that I'm actually working on it, I can actually see that change is happening because I'm aware of it. That does not mean that I don't mess up. That does not mean that I don't screw up. That does not mean that I'll make stupid decisions. It just means that I'm more aware and I'm going to try harder next time. And each time it gets a little bit better in different aspects. That's all. Yeah. And, you know, it's a work in progress. You're never going to every, every time you acknowledge one thing, you're going to start to see that there's something else. Yes. That you have and to it just feels like this inevitable, this deep hole of, of flaws. But that's where the self-actualization comes from is working through it layer by layer. This is the journey. This is life. That's what life is about. It's about growing. Life's not about being perfectly stable and balanced all the time and happy go lucky. Where's the growth in that? Where's the journey in that? So this is normal. Yeah, and this is something I've told you, right? I said, I said you're gonna get to a point, and this was way, you know, years and years ago, right? I said you're gonna get to a point that you're gonna you're gonna look back and not recognize the person you were. Yeah, who 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 that? <laughs> I don't even know who that is. And that's Girl, I don't got time for you. And and you know, to our listeners, that's the that's the goal, right? Well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the fun part, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna, if you're doing this journey, if you're going through these, this process, you are, you're gonna look back, you know, five, 10 years from now, and you're gonna say, I don't know who that person was. Yeah. Um, because you're so much further along and you're so much more aware and, and you're, you know, and you enjoy it. It's, it's tough, you know, and you, you'll attest to this, right? It's tough. To, to be at the beginning stages, right? That beginning. It really is. That's the worst part. Yeah, because it's like, oh, there's, there's so much there's so much wrong in this. So, but you get to a point where you start to enjoy that journey. You start to see, mm-hmm. you know, the growth in you and you see the potential that you have as a human being, as a, you know, as a, as a person. And then you, you strive for, for more. I was actually looking at a picture of us uh, of me holding my son the other day when he was little and I was like who is that lady like I was I was having a hard time connecting with myself and this is why people can look at pictures of themselves with a kid and say I don't remember that because you just sometimes you don't remember and that's okay but I was like who is that lady like I was like looking at pictures and it was just the way I smiled the way I ca- I, I could see like how I, I was like insecure about like what I was wearing like there's pictures of me holding my son and I'd like hold him another way like weird things that I pick up on. One of the biggest things I was, I was holding some pictures of my son and I, and I was looking at them. And I remember looking at that and seeing like how young I was, like even in my face and just thinking like back then I couldn't have told someone no. Back then I couldn't have been like, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I would have been in a state of fawning like you would not believe. I'm at the point now where I still fawn at times and I still try to people please. But I can pull myself back. I have to run. I have to like flight, though. I have to be like, no, I can't be around that person because I'm going to fawn. But it's because I know where it's coming from. Like the other day, like I asked you, would you like something or whatever it was? And you were like, no, thank you. And I walked away and I was like, okay, I asked. You know what I mean? Like I'm learning these things and it's it's enjoyable. It feels good to not respond from trauma. It feels good to do something because I want to or it feels good to not do something because guess what? I don't want to and I'm not going to do that just to make you happy because I'm not happy right now. And there's no purpose to do that. That's the part that you can start enjoying when you can start doing that and feeling that's what makes you feel alive. For me, that's where I'm starting to feel like I'm living. I'm not surviving anymore. I'm learning to live. 
So that's the biggest part, right? Just being aware. But sometimes we don't know. We're not a, we're not aware of what we don't know, you know. So so listening to the pod, to this podcast, for instance, can make you aware of things that you have not acknowledged yet. Same thing with like reading books, watching, um, you know, self help videos online. These are all things to make you aware, yeah. you know, so you can acknowledge the things that need to be changed. You know, because it's it doesn't apply to everyone. Everyone's not doesn't have the same level of trauma as we do, mm-hmm. as someone else does. So find the people that you know connect with you, and that you can see the parallels. And then you know, once you see those things, that's that's the first step to acknowledging. So you know, for all the people that are listening to us that that kind of connect with us, this is your first step, right? This is your that first leap into acknowledging. You know what can be changed and what needs to be changed to get you from the trauma, you know, the trauma responses to a more healthier self-healing response. Exactly. So once you start, you know, being aware of these things, then it's getting that support system in place, which you were just talking of. And a support system, like we we actually did another podcast on this, which you can listen to more in depth, but surrounding yourself, like you said, with people who understand, been there, done that, or have more knowledge in the areas and finding people that you can jive with, you know? And that could be, like you said, this podcast, finding positive people on TikTok or, you know, wherever it is, and then educating yourself. Psychoeducation, self-education is going to be the next step. Once you're aware and you're, you know, surrounding yourself with the things, then it's finding the material to help you understand. And sometimes that means finding yourself a good clinician, finding yourself a, a coach or a therapist, someone to help guide you along the way. It's a step-by-step process and you have to constantly be looking for what's the next thing that I need. Yeah. And you got to be ready for it. And we talked about this on previous podcasts as well, right? We have yeah. to be ready to take the, you know, and we can go back and listen to our um, healthy support systems because that's where we kind of talk about this stuff, right? Being able to uh, have someone that challenges your beliefs and challenges your views so you can, because that's where the growing happens. Because again, if you're not ready Mm-hmm. To change, you're not going to change. And that I, I get this question all the time, you know, well, do I have to go to therapy? Do I have to have a coach? No, because you don't. You're not, you know, you're, you don't have a therapist and you don't have a coach, but you have a different personality and a set of standards that you work by. I needed that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Therapy works if you work the therapy. Coaching works if you follow your goals and guidelines. Counseling works if you listen and you apply. Those things do not work if you're not ready to work them. Yeah, and and you know, you use me as an example. I'm I, I'm my own coach, you know, yeah. in terms of, and then and then I have you. You you're my support system because I'm not right all the time. I'm not, you know, I'm uh, I. You just said that on air. Oh well, I'm <laughs> I'm. I'm, <laughs> I'm not right all the time. I like that. No, well, I'm seldomly right. Let's be honest. I'm more. I'm much more self aware than yeah. most. So again, and I'm more critical. Of, of myself than most people. I think and that's most kind people of, are like me. Yeah, and that's that's kind of where why I'm where I am. But I, j- just like everyone else, I still need a support system. I still need to be told when I'm wrong mm-hmm. or when I'm you know acting out of character or or I'm not you know I'm not seeing something that I should be seeing. And you know, for the longest time, because of my trauma response, I felt like I couldn't do that with you for the longest time because I was nervous constantly. But I've gotten to a point, and this is the fun part we talk about. You know, I got to a point where. If I'm going to be a support system to you, then I need to say, hey, you're trauma parenting or you need to take some self-care today or no, that's not right or whatever. And 
Yeah. I, so I think that that's really important that you that you have that. And a lot of people say to me, well, how do I know that I found the right therapist or what are the things that I have to look for? Like the person has to have experience doing that work. And it's funny, I found an email the other day from 2012 from you talking about all the stuff, manifestations, all these things. I don't even remember it from that time because I was so not self-aware. Yeah, that's crazy that I've been talking about this stuff since back then. But, you know, it's, like I said, it's it's a journey, right? We're always growing. We're always learning new things and we're always uh, striving to be better. So, yeah, I no, I agree with you that that's that's really important. So we have being self-aware. Just to recap, being self-aware, getting yourself, a, you know, a good support system, educating yourself, getting materials, books, you know, podcasts, whatever it is to kind of help you. and making note of those things. I think it's really important that you take the time to reflect, you know, at the end of the day, did I trauma parent today? Did I, you know, respond from a place of trauma today? What were those situations? What were the precipitating factors? What could I do next time? I do that. I have to reflect. And that's something that you've taught me. I have to write it down though, because I feel like that that helps me more. And I just feel like those are the four basic things that you can start doing right now today that can really help make the difference in helping you regain your life back. Yeah, that's the best way to start. Yeah, absolutely. So I hope that once you guys heard this podcast today that you're like, okay, you know, maybe I've trauma parented. Maybe my relationships clearly have been affected by my trauma. But there are some things that I can do that can start making the difference in how I function in those everyday relationships. That's all that I hope you guys are able to take away from this today. So I hope this was helpful for you guys. And as always, I hope you connected to something that we said. And I hope this starts you on your journey of self-healing. So we'll wrap it up here. And if you guys love our show and love listening to us and learning all these things, if you'd want to donate to it and help us continue making this awesome stuff for you guys that's contributing to your everyday self-journey to healing, make a donation. And if you're curious on how to do that, you can send us an email at podcast with an S at Epiphany Media, E-P-I-C-P-H-A-N-Y media.com. And like always, if you're not following me on TikTok, you can at ask.courtney or you can hit me up on Instagram at askcourtney underscore. And if you're on Facebook and you're right now, you know, educating your kids during a pandemic and just need a group of people that can help you, check out It Takes the Village. And you're also on YouTube, right? <laughs> oh, yes. I have a YouTube channel now, which is a recap of my weekly questions, my top three. So you can check it out at Ask Courtney. Yeah, we're stretched a little bit thin here. So um, any help would, would really, we'd really appreciate it. Absolutely. And if you are looking to sponsor the show, we're also open to that. So until uh, next time, guys, remember, we're all in this together. So stay safe.